This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. My name is Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at the One Thing team. In the last episode, we talked about identifying your priorities and your values in business with Josh Dorkin from Bigger Pockets. If you missed that episode, make sure you go back and check it out. In this episode, we are sharing a recent live webinar that we did with Lee Cockrell. Lee was the former executive vice president of operations for Walt Disney Resorts. He was one of their senior operating executives for 10 years. He led a team of over 40,000 people, which any of you leaders out there, I mean, imagine what it looks like to cast a vision, create the culture, set the standards for 40,000 people. This is the mind that you are about to get access to today. And this is part of what we try to do every month on our One Thing webinar series. So if you want to see what webinars we have coming up, you can go to the onething.com slash webinar. That's with the number one in the URL. And you can see all the past webinars there. And then you can see the one that's going to be coming up in the month ahead. So make sure you check that out. Today, we talked to Lee about how we created Disney's culture and how you can become a better leader. So with that, let's get into this episode with Lee Cockrell. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like Breakfast on the Go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Well, Lee, thank you so much for being with us and and for people to give you a little bit more context of Lee because his career is truly impressive. He was the executive vice president of operations at the Walt Disney World Resort. As a senior operating executive for 10 years, he led a team of over 40,000 cast members. And one of his major and lasting legacies was the creation of the Disney Great Leader Strategies, which was used to train and develop over 7,000 leaders at Walt Disney World. So for those of you, I'm curious, how many of you are in a leadership or managerial position, whether it's in your own company, inside a bigger corporation? If so, put yes in the questions box. That way we just get a sense. Well, you're, you're about to learn from the master. So get very excited for that. You know, I, and Lee, I told you a little bit about this. Um, everything that you created at Disney is very near and dear to our hearts. I remember very early on when I started working with Gary Keller and Jay Papazan, I was in a mastermind with Gary and he put this picture up that everybody can see right now. Folks, can you see the picture? If so, put a giant yes in the questions box. That way I make sure you can see it. This is something that Gary put up there and he said, you know, Walt Disney had this amazing vision long before any of it existed. He drew this image and you can see how in the top left it has TV. In the top right, it says music, says 16 millimeter films, uh, creative talent studio, merchandise, Disneyland, comic strips. And in the very bottom left, you guys see 
right there where I just put that arrow, it says 1957 Walt Disney Productions. Long before Disney had created what we know today as Disney, he began with the end in mind and dreamed really big. We take this as a model for in our own lives, thinking really big for what we want and starting by acting really small. My question for you, Lee, is when you came on board with Disney, was there already this amazing culture or what were things like at the time? What were you dealing with? Well, there was already a great culture there, but the times were changing. That was the problem. Uh, mm. I think culture during the 70s and 80s and uh, probably up into the early 90s was a, a great culture. And I would say that guests who went there thought it was compared to everybody else in the world. It was a great place to be. And uh so, but when I got there, I started working with Judson Green and we started thinking about, well, here's a lot of competition coming now. And uh, the internet has arrived. Now we don't own the uh, advertising anymore because uh, anybody can go on the internet, set up a page and you can find a place to go on vacation. And uh, so as Judson used to say, we heard the footsteps of competition coming and we had to get back and start to think about how can we uh, stay on top and stay ahead. And that's when we started working on thinking about a, a new strategy around leadership and management, customer service, and how we include everybody and how we everybody's opinion is opinion counts. And uh, we want to hear, we would like to have all 70,000 people at Walt Disney World worrying about the business instead of one or two people. So we really got busy on the culture and the environment and how we treated people. So, so what I'm hearing you say is you step in there, there already was a great, respectable culture, but it wasn't what we know Disney today. How did you begin with that vision? What did that look like? Where did that even come from? Well, I, I'd done a lot of work at Marriott. I'd been there for 17 years before, and Marriott uh, culture was quite... Uh, I would say a little informal. I mean, Bill Merritt came to see us and he walked with us and those were long walks as he pointed out things we needed to do better. And uh, he was very respectful of everybody. I mean, he stopped and talked to the dishwashers and the housekeepers and told them what a good job they were doing and all. So I already had a pretty good feeling of how you get a culture that is more inclusive and more respectful. And so Judson had some big ideas about it and then uh, we had a group of people, a team that met every week and talked about it. And we eventually came up with a strategy that said, uh, uh, the guest does not come first. Uh, leadership comes first. If you don't get good leaders in place that can create an environment and a culture so the cast members want to do their job, not have to do it. And so when I go home at, at night, I don't have to worry about our people still working because I'm not there watching them. And uh, we created that culture over time. Took a few years to get it right. And every time we hired a new leader, we hired a better one. And every time we promoted somebody, we got better at that. And that, and uh, over time, it just got more and more. And I would say today, if you go and ask a cast member at Disney how it is to work there, and uh, are they respected? And does their opinion count? And are they included? They would tell you yes. And actually, I was just at the World of Disney a couple of hours ago. My wife and I went to buy... 10 presents for little kids that we're going to, I'm going to see three tonight. She's seeing seven in Louisiana next week. And uh, the cast members were great. It was like I was, had been not been gone 11 years. I hadn't seen any of them. And uh, they were just very uh, happy and uh, loving their jobs and telling me they've been there for 20 years and 25 years. One lady was 84 and working and enjoying it. So the culture matters and uh, it matters a lot. I, I always tell people culture is not part of the game. It is the game. You get that right. Everything else goes right. Well, well, let's make this applicable for people, Lee, because um, I remember early on hearing Gary say that leadership is teaching people how to think so they can get what they want when they want it. 
And I know a lot of people who are listening to this are small business owners. Some of them have scaled um, to a medium-sized business, some of them in big businesses. But when you start talking about that culture word, that is, it's not just part of the game, it is the game. Uh, most people have not had exposure directly to a Gary Keller, or in your case, a Bill Marriott, to show you what that looks like, to model that for you. What would you suggest people do to get started creating the right culture in their organizations? Well, you know, first it's a mindset. You got to want to do it because I told somebody the other day, I was talking to some students. I said, if you don't want to make hard decisions and have to do hard things, do not become a manager or a leader and do not have children. <laughs> uh, that hits too hard home right now. <laughs> and I would say, first of all, it's not about uh, teaching your people how to think. It's about letting them and letting them feel safe to think and speak up and give their opinion and, uh, if the bosses out there in the world would quit being bosses and be teachers, uh, they would probably get a lot more out of the people. Your people already know what to do. They know more than the owner does about the business, and they know where all the problems are. They know where you can save money. They know where the, who's stealing. They know who's coming to – I mean, they know it all. And they're mm. withholding information because we don't make it a comfortable culture and environment for them to speak up and feel safe. So they just keep mm. it to themselves, and your business doesn't get better. Let's talk about hiring, training leaders. Um, we know that recruiting top talent is pretty much the most one of the most important things you can do as a business owner, yet uh, it's a huge area of opportunity for many people. Uh, what did that look like for you when you were creating this new culture and making sure that you had the right individuals on the bus? Because I doubt you inherited them. Yeah, I would say it's not one of the most important things. It is the only thing. Get the right people on the bus and get the right people hired. And even today, if you want to work at Disney, mm. we've worked very good with a Gallup organization to create a 136 questions you have to answer on the Internet before you can even get an interview. We want to know about you. We want to know if you have high energy, stamina. Are you going to be professional? Are you going to be on time to work? Do you have discipline? Are you going to take care of our guests when it's hot and raining and they're not happy? Um, and uh, that gets sorted out. And then you get to go fill out an application. And when I was there, we uh, made sure that you had to watch a film about Disney expectations. And it's very clear about being on time to work, uh, no visible tattoos, no visible piercings, no purple hair. We tell people Cinderella cannot have a tattoo on her neck and Mickey can't smoke while he's talking to you. And the cast members can't, can't cannot use their phones on stage. They can't text. They leave them backstage because we're there to focus 100%. So we hire, I always tell people, we don't hire people and make them nice. We hire nice people and teach mm -hmm. them how to do their job. And so we're pretty, you know, we take a lot of time. We, as I always tell people, hire slow and fire fast. So take those hot, tough decisions. It's your company and the cast members are your brand. The employees are your brand. Let me tell you, don't ever get confused. You think it's your material or your product or the people make all the difference everybody does you know there's a million ways to buy things today and amazon's even proven that and uber and uh, all these disruptive businesses that if you get it right and you got good people now look what uber's getting in big trouble right now because of the culture mm. ceo had to take a leave of absence the number two guy was let go number three i don't know what's going on it was all culture it was yeah. not 
people, sexual harassment, all those kinds of things. And that's what happens. The culture, you can have a great product and the culture can bite you bad when you don't treat people properly and respectfully. Well, here, here's my question for you, Lee, because I, I, I hear culture so important, expectations. Um, very, you know, Somebody can sit down and get clear on what their expectations are. What are those items that are just lying in the sand? You don't get to cross that. However, you put that to the test as a business owner as you go through day-to-day operations and you realize people violate them. Yeah. So, but yet enforcing the expectations, making them standards and have bringing consequences to the table, that's a completely different game. What do you suggest well, to people so that they bring you hire great people? You hire the great people, you got to train them and you got to test them and you got to enforce your own training. And this is what most leaders don't do. Most owners don't do. Most managers don't do. They don't enforce their own training and mm-hmm. they start used to favoritism. They let some people come in late. They don't do anything about it. The bathroom's not clean. They don't do anything about it. Uh, they don't open on time. Uh, all these kinds of things. And I, I, as I tell everybody, everything matters if you want to be great. If you want to be average, it's easy. Uh, I saw a quote the other day. said, be careful. You might become ordinary. And uh, if you become ordinary, you're finished because there's a lot of people out there really hustling to provide great, great, uh, reliable, credible, keep your promise service. So, yeah. Talk to us about trust. <laughs> it's, oh, I'd say it's everything. I can't work with anybody I don't trust. And that's why it's important that uh, not only I uh, am trustworthy so that they trust me. When they trust me, I'll trust them because I would do things for the right reason. And I think there's not much trust right now in American business. Certainly not in American politics, certainly not in uh, even religion. I mean, there's not a lot of trust because people are violating that trust by not being trustworthy, by not understanding how important uh, uh, being uh, a person who tells the truth, does the hard things, and does it for their people. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a lot of people taking advantage of other people, whether they're stealing the pension fund or going to jail for insider trading or you name it, uh, sexual harassment. It's just goes on and on and on. And and it's uh, in my in my life, being trusted is the most important thing of anything for me. And what does that look like in the relationship between, for the people you're talking to, we're leaders, right? And you bring people in under you. You want to think that you hired great talent. You want to trust them. Is that the right way to look at it? Well, I tell people when they went to work for me, I sat down with them. I said, let me tell you how things work around here. You work now. You report to me. We're working together. Here's how it works. If you got a problem, you tell me. I'm your HR manager. You don't need to go to HR. I'll take care of you. And if you need to be off, you just started today. And if a couple months from now you got an emergency in your family, you need to be off, you come and see me. We'll take care of it. And I've had that situation happen. And I said, and I'm available 24 7. I'm like your parents, you know, you can call me anytime. And I got called maybe a dozen times over all those years because but my phone number was out there. I gave it to people. I'm not going to die if I wake up at three in the morning and somebody's got an emergency. They wouldn't call me unless, unless they needed me. Our granddaughter called us the other night. She's doing a job in Paris for this summer. And she called us at 3.30 in the morning. She kind of got mixed up on the time. But we didn't say, what are you doing? Call us. Oh, we love to hear from you. And <laughs> there's no problem. I mean, you got to make uh, you got to make people feel comfortable, have comfortable relationships with people. Because most people are already intimidated by your position and your title, owner, manager, big boss. Uh, so you got to work hard every day to calm that down. And uh, it's usually role modeling. I would say role modeling. Behave the way you want your people to behave and behave the way you want your kids to behave. And be careful what you say and do every day because everybody's watching you and judging you. 
Well, you, yeah. you always hear the importance of role modeling what good looks like for your people. Yet, um, I remember hearing, and I wish I could pay attribution to the person who I heard this from, but they said, your values aren't your values unless they cost you something. <laughs> when is a time for you, Lee, that you had to role model excellence? You had to role model the, Dis the Disney culture in spite of incredible adversity. Well, 9-11 was certainly one time when I had to stay cool, calm, and collected and try to figure out how to take $400 million out of the cost base because we lost 35% of our business in that one day of cancellations. You know, if I'd have been running around going, oh, me, my God, this is the end of the world. And I didn't, and I don't, and I'm pretty calm. And I also had the ability to let the people who reported me kind of take over during that period because they had a lot more skill in some areas that I didn't have. And I, I've never needed to be the boss. I just want to be sitting at the table and give my two cents worth. And I know we will come to the right decision. So I think um, many times it's uh, controlling your composure and not overreacting, having a reputation for you can go see him anytime. You don't have to ask the secretary, how's he, how's he feeling today? What kind of mood's he in today? You got to be in the same mood every day. And uh you know, we all got problems, but you got to leave them at home. I said, we, you don't have to be happy to work at Disney. You got to act happy for eight hours because we're, we're professionals. That's what we do. And uh, I, we always laugh. We say Disney's the happiest place on earth or else. <laughs> so we are very clear. <laughs> and uh, that's how it has to be in a business. And, you know, when you go on your break, you can go cry or call your mother or do whatever you want. But when you're on stage, you're on the stage and you're performing. And, and uh, that's a good way to think about for any business to think we're putting on a performance. Does everything look right? Has everybody been trained right? Do they know what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do? Is the parking lot clean? The doors are clean. We're ready to open and we're in stock. You know, everything. It's, this is a performance and you want to have the same performance every day if you want to hit. I, I'm just hearing, as I'm hearing you talk about this, um, it all makes so much sense to me, but I, I can't help but feel that the mental preparation, were you either born this way, where you were just truly <laughs> gifted, but the average person who's listening to this going, you know, showing up every day, acting the same in spite of incredible adversity, which if you are a business owner and you're in business for a long time, you're going to face it. I mean, Lee, your de de description of what happened during 9-11, just say, no, I got to be composed. Simple in theory, but in practice, no way. What are you doing to sharpen that saw? I'd say one thing you got to remember as a parent or as the boss, uh, the person in charge out there, you have to do it. That's part of your responsibility. I mean, you can't, you know, I know in my early days, I didn't have that composure. And I'd come home and have an argument with my wife and my son, Daniel. He said, Dad, you need to sit in the hot tub for 15 minutes when you get home. Everything was fine until you got here. And you'd have these little arguments and little stupid things. And I had to learn to let it go and not... It was because of my own uh, self-confidence problem and, you know, all those things that build up over the years and frustration. And so my wife and I had a big argument over orange juice, you know, and it wasn't about orange juice. It was about the day I had or what was I was going through or my own insecurity about my job, maybe, or whatever it was. And uh, I just remember the one thing we always say is be, you're being watched. You can either... You know, you can walk into work and make it better, or you can make it worse. You can get home at night when you walk in your house. You can make the culture better, or you can make it worse. It's up to you. And a lot of people create a storm in their house when they get home. It wasn't there until they got there. And so now I walk in and tell my wife I love her, and then I uh, go watch TV. <laughs> but I think I love her first. <laughs> Not yeah. watch TV first. When you get to work in the morning, go around and see all your people before. See the people before you go turn your computer on. Touch the people before you touch the paper. Mm. 
That's where you got to go before. Yeah, touch absolutely. the people before you touch the paper. That's great. And and everybody who's watching or listening to this, um, feel free to submit your questions as well. We're going to do Q and A at the end, but I also, you know, Inez is going to be flagging them on the back end. If we see something that's really good, we would love for you to help mold and shape this conversation as we continue. Uh, Lee, you know, one of the things we had talked about before was competency and how there's more than one competency in life. I think a lot of people can. Um, rest on their merits as to how they got here today and trust that what got him them here is going to continue their success, but that's just not the case. Talk to us a little bit about competency and where people need to be competent moving forward. Yeah, I will. And I would say just generally, people got to get better faster. Today, it's not like it used to be. And things are moving quick. I mean, technology, you can be out of business tomorrow if the right technology comes along and wipes you out. And so you got to really stay on top of things. But competency, I talk about at Disney and where I've worked is you got to Four that we really focus on. Number one, you got to be technically competent. If you're going to be a chef, you got to be able to cook. If you're going to be a marketing person, you need to understand that business. Or if you're an IT person, you got to really understand how to do it. So technical competence is probably the easiest thing you do in your life because you get experience. Maybe you got a degree in it. You do it every day. You go to the trade shows. You hang out with people who do it. I mean, we all get better just through experience. Second one's management competence, being organized, disciplined, having a system in place. That's why I wrote the book, Time Management Magic. That's why I got an online time management seminar now. Helps people. And they should have learned this in high school and college. For some reason, educators are not teaching people how to think about priorities, what to, how to plan their day, their week, their year, how to get things done. And uh, it's a crime. And uh, I'm getting a lot of schools now to adopt it in the classroom because you've got so many things you got to do and time goes by quick. You know, as I said, you know, I married a 22 year old and now she's on Medicare. Well, how'd that happen? My wife and I'll be married in one year. We'll be married 50 years. Wow. I have a 28 year old son. Where'd he come from? You know, and kids grab grandkids graduating from college it goes by quick. So you better get on your retirement today. You better get on top of your health today. Schedule it in your planner, plan your priorities, schedule the priorities in your life. So you get them done. You're touching on a real pain that we have found working with our founding members, which is there is a massive disconnect between what we do today and the long-term payoff. It's really easy for us to look at this year and say, what do we really need to do this year and kind of take action? But to project beyond that, like you're saying, what are you going to do about retirement? What are you going to do about if there's a medical issue in the family? When there's college, you got to save for it. It's just too far in the future to feel real. What does that look like for you? How do you advise people start taking action there? Well, I had to, I scrambled because I grew up on a farm in Oklahoma. We didn't have any money. My mother was married five times. I was adopted twice. We were poor as could be. My husband number four had money, so I got to go to college, but I didn't go to class. So I dropped out after two years and I went in the army. And so I had to scramble each time and I had to learn more and more and more because if you don't have a college degree, you better have a great attitude and you better be learning on the job. And so I tried to be the best waiter they ever had, the best manager they ever had, the best. And uh, I understood that it comes, you know, things come quick. And when you do a great job, you have a great attitude and you're disciplined, organized, and you can keep your promises. People give you an opportunity. And so uh, I'm very aware. I've always been pretty disciplined, but I've learned that if I really learned this concept. I think every day about things I should be working on that won't pay off for me for two years, three years, four years, five years. I mean, it, it's uh, just one of those things. Uh, you know, you are going to get older. Your kids are going to go to college. They will be born. Next time you wake up, they'll be 10. And the next time they'll be 18 on the way to college. And you go, what happened? Because that's how quick it comes. And I learned this with, the, I think, the power of interest and time. 
That's mm-hmm. how you can really make money. Interest in time and get into something early Get and become an expert. When you become an expert, like, you know, today I tell people I'm an t- expert in many things. And they say, how can you say that? I said, because I'm telling you I am. <laughs> and I'm not going to have to prove it. <laughs> this is what I do every day. And I know more than you do about it. So I'm an expert. And you can make yourself an expert. Pick something and become the best in the world at it. And every day read it, study it. And in a year or two or three, you'll know more than everybody around you. And in five years, you'll be a genius. And because uh, most people don't have, don't have a clue what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, it's not easy to be great. So you got to just get, and let me tell you today, you don't have an excuse. All the podcasts that are out there, like this show, Google, if you don't know something, it's your own fault. I mean, come on, don't tell me you don't have a set of encyclopedias anymore or uh, a dictionary. You don't need any of this. If you don't know something, in five seconds, you can start learning. So we've got a stay-at-home mom right now who's watching this, and her son is with her. And she said, what advice would you have for him about starting a future business, Lee? How old is her son? 13. 13. Well, that's a good time to start. I see a lot of young people that are coming up with great ideas. And, you know, to start a, start a business, first, you've got to make sure you understand that you've got something people want to buy. Uh, you've got to think about how you're going to get it financed or get started. And uh, then you got to communicate it. I mean, this is this has been the dream of mine to have this business I'm in now for 10 years since I left Disney. I didn't know anything, but I knew one thing. It's going to have to be on the Internet. And I get, first I set up a web page, a web, website. I got everything on there. And then I started speaking and I wrote a book and got it out there. And I started my podcast, which goes out every Tuesday morning, creating Disney magic. And all of a sudden I'm getting 50,000 downloads and I'm getting more speaking engagements and I keep adding more to my website and free stuff. And now we got a free daily planner out there. You can plan your day using it go on the website and download it. It doesn't cost you anything. You can list our first uh, module on the time management seminar and I just kept improving this. And I, I was not one of these people that knew anything about technology, but I learned fast. And I got a guy over here to show me, and I got experts around me. You don't have to do anything, but you better get experts around you that know. What Lee just said right there about having experts around you, I think is it. Um, you're so young, you're 13. If you can set intention behind surrounding yourself with the right people and the right ideas, the fact that you're sitting on this right now, listening to a guy who created one of the most iconic brands in the world. I mean, what does that look like over time? So I think you're going down the right path. You're investing in your education and you're building the right relationships. Lee, I have a question about you. You said discipline a bunch of times. You said, you know, it was, I was disciplined, I was organized, and I kept my, my, my promises. You know, in the book, we talk a lot about how discipline is actually a lie. People always think if I'm just disciplined enough, I can get anything I want. But it's really not about discipline. It's about applying your discipline to the point where something becomes a habit. And then it doesn't require discipline or willpower. My question for you is, is when you look at over the last several decades of your life, what are some of those keystone habits that have just created tremendous impact in your life? One thing I learned is every day when I look at my day planner to see what I'm going to put in there to do today and this week and this month, I first think about yesterday, but I didn't do it because I should have, or maybe that I should have said that differently to my wife, or I should call that client back and say, hey, I wasn't clear enough. I want to think about yesterday, all the things you did yesterday, the interactions you had, and think about, okay, I'm going to reflect on that. 
Reflection is powerful because when you reflect on something, the next time it comes up, you do it better because it's already boiled. You put it in your brain by thinking about it. Most people don't reflect on yesterday. And then I would say the next thing is think about each responsibility you signed up for in your life every morning. Your wife, your partner, your children. Do you need to get your son signed up for camp or get him into that entrepreneur class he wants to take because he wants to open a business? Or do you want to get him his annual physical and his inoculations? Do you want to go up and see his teachers and see how he's doing? Does he need a tutor? Does, does he need to be talked to about the birds and the bees? Sounds like 13. You better have done that already. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then I think about my, my wife told me, Lee, when I was at Disney, I thought about three things every day. Hiring the right people, promoting the right people. That was one. Number two, training, testing and enforcing the training. And number three, working on the culture. That's all I focused on. I had experts around me to do all the other stuff. I had engineers and security and transportation. I don't know anything about any of that stuff. And they did that. Now I'm retired. My wife and I talked about what are the three things I focus on every day before I do anything else. Number one, I focus on me because she said to focus on yourself. Take care of yourself, Lisa. You can take care of your family. So I work out twice every day, usually four o'clock on Stairmaster. I have strength training twice a week so I don't fall and break a hip one day and go downhill and need a hip replacement or die of pneumonia in the hospital. So I'm stronger now than I was there. I schedule that, 9.40, Tuesdays and Fridays. That's scheduling things is how I also get consistency and uh, discipline in my life. Scheduling the things you hate. You know, like a colonoscopy, <laughs> you schedule it, <laughs> but it's not, you know, it's not fun to do it, but easy to schedule it. And then that day comes, you go do it. Because if you think uh, a colonoscopy is bad, wait till you get colon cancer, then you're really in trouble. Or, you know, if you think spending time with your family and showing them how much you care and love about them, think about not being married and your wife leaving you. Or, you know, you got to think about the consequences of not doing things of not exercising, what will happen if you don't exercise. And we think about every day, think about things that won't pay off till later. Exercise pays off later. Telling your wife you love her pays off right away. <laughs> you know, but these things that, uh, you know, you're going to get caught. Like, you know, I've sat down and talked to my son about our finances, how things, how things will happen when we're gone. He knows he's 48. I'm not dead yet, but I've got it all planned. We've had the discussion. I, he doesn't need to wait till Lee Cockrell ends up with dementia and can't sign the documents. I think about what do we need to do now that will one day come to bear. And uh, most people don't do that. And so let, let me recap, Lee, real quick, because I want to make sure that people are able to really take home what you had said, because I picked up a few things. Uh, first, you're reflecting on what you did yesterday and how you could do better, because then way when the situation presents in the future again, you can learn and do better. Um, I heard that you like to think about your responsibilities, not just inside of work, but what's your obligation as a husband, a father, a grandfather, um, a person in the community. Uh, I heard you talking about you were very clear. You had tremendous clarity on the two to three things that you absolutely should be focusing your time on, your big rocks. And you made sure that that's what you did. You scheduled it, which, hey, folks, time blocking. What? A, what a, I didn't even prep Lee for this. He just went there. Look at that. It just happens. I'm curious how many of you right now who are here live right now, if we were to open up your calendars, would we see time blocked for your most important priorities? If so, put a yes in the questions box. If no, go ahead and put a no. Be vulnerable. It's okay. I want to see what the split is. That's how we got this schedule, by the way. I put it in my calendar. <laughs> No way. I actually did the same thing. We should be friends. I know. 
my wife said, okay, three things, Lee. You First, you take care of yourself, then you take care of the family, and then you take care of your business. And after that, I'll let you watch The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. There you go. Uh, what's another question we have from the audience that I'd love to field to Lee? Oh, great question. How does a company like Disney, Lee, that's steeped in nostalgia, um, processes the way they've always done things, how do they find ways to constantly innovate and reinvent themselves? Well, I think it's because we got the experts, you know, our Imagineering team, and we got experts in IT, and we've got the best people in Imagineering that I don't know how they dream this stuff up. We got some of the most creative people in the merchandise business. I mean, they constantly coming up with new products and and technology and it's just a matter of having excellent people in each one of those areas transportation we're doing a lot with transportation so that you'll know what time your bus is coming and you can look up it on your phone you can i mean we got people that focus on that i wouldn't even know how to wear a start that and uh, so we uh, I, th- I say that's our expertise is having real experts in each of those jobs looking for the opportunity and being careful too because you got to be careful where you add technology and where you keep people because you got two we got two constituencies now a lot of people want to deal with people older people young people are pretty comfortable with anything on technology doing it themselves and so we go down that path of making sure we have both and that Mm. they're available so uh, imagineers i mean got some of the i mean who knows how they come up with this stuff and the movies and they're bright they're the best they're the best people out there the best engineers and So how do we make this applicable to the people who are here listening to us, Lee, where maybe they don't have the greatest experts in the world? How do they begin to create the type of culture where um, ideas are promoted, where people are looking for ways to disrupt things? What do you suggest to them? Well, I would if I was in a business and I had had not been doing that, I would probably next Tuesday get my whole team in the room and I would say, guys, listen. I learned something last week. I'm not taking advantage of everything you people know in this room, and you know that. All of you know something I don't know that I should know. Now, I want to make sure that I'm going to tell you in the future, anything you bring to me, I will not bite you. I will not overreact. Now, don't say that unless you have the uh, composure and the ability to do that, because the one one reason I know everything that's going on, people feel very comfortable. My grandkids like me better than their parents. They call me when they got a problem. I mean, because I've told them we're available 24-7. I'll help you get out of any trouble you get into. I'll tell you what story to tell your father. And, uh, you know, they, I have a comfortable relationship. I was at World of Disney today, and I went around and saw all the cast members. They wanted to say hello to me, and we took some photos. One lady came over to me and said, Mr. Carter, I want to tell you something. I remember this when you were here, and I remember today how much humility you have of how you treated us today and how you spent time with us and talked to us, and your wife was so nice. She did too. And I said, that's just that's not what you do. That's who you are. And if you don't really believe in people, you're not going to do that. And you've got to, that's it. I mean, people trust me because I don't give them any reason not to trust me. You can go on the Internet. You can't find anything negative about me. But there's, you know, because I don't want it on there. So I'm not going to do anything. And that's, and I, you know, I've worked with my grandchildren and we all in our family talk about that as uh, be careful today. One DUI, one mistake, going to a party where the sheriff shows up and you're there, even though you're not using marijuana or drugs and you get arrested, you're done. I mean, today that gets on the internet and you're finished. And so I build a lot of trust by telling the truth to people. They may not like it, but they know I've told them the truth and it's, for them. It's not for me. I'm going to reiterate something that I said earlier, which is your values aren't your values. 
unless they cost you something. And I remember, you know, this is the blessing of being in business with Gary and Jay and being able to see it being modeled firsthand and value of you being here as I get to now turn around and share it with you. Um, They care a lot about their legacy and about what people say about them. And I have specific instances of where I have witnessed them part ways with other people and give more than 50% so that that person walks away and feels good. It's really hard to swallow your ego and do that, folks. But are you in your actions every day thinking about the legacy that you are leaving? You leave a job someday or you leave a legacy. It's up to you. And Mm. uh, you have a choice. And I think a lot of people don't think about that because uh, when I leave, I want people to, I want to have those big screens outside when my funeral, where everybody's, they can't get them in the room. Somebody asked me the other day why I keep doing speaking engagements. I said, because they clap and I want to feel loved. (laughs) That's why I do it. We all do. And everybody's got a problem you don't know about. That's what every manager needs to know. Every person has a problem you don't know about and you need to get to know them so well so you can deal with it, you can handle it. You can, you know, in America, when I ask you how you're doing, you say, everybody says, great. And I tell people that's the biggest lie in America. And because we just accept that. And uh, so you've got to get to know people well when your kids are not great, when they're, you know, you got, you got to dig deep to know what teenagers are up to and how they're feeling. And are they having anxiety? Is there any depression going on? Is there uncertainty? And so you got to pay attention to people. And if you're paying attention and focused, you can tell. If you're not focused and you just accept that, oh, yeah, everything's great, then you won't know. And then you'll have a disaster. And it can be a big disaster, like kids that create, you know, that commit suicide. And notes that people say, I didn't see it coming. Or somebody oh, yeah. says, I didn't know my daughter was taking drugs. I said, are you kidding me? There's no way that could happen to my family. I knew when my son thought about drinking a beer when he was 16, not when he did. I mean, I could tell the minute. I knew him well. I went in his room every half hour to see what's going on in there. <laughs> so, you know, don't tell me you don't know what's going on. If you don't know what's going on, it's because you don't want to know. Yeah. Folks, we got about 15 minutes remaining. I want to make sure that you submit your questions. Where, as you can see, we have totally shifted um, to Q and A because I, I just I want to make sure that we are able to customize this to you. You know, you took the time, you time blocked it out of your busy schedule to be here with us live. We really appreciate that. We want to make sure we bring tremendous value to you. What's another one that we got? And who's it from? So Randy asked a question about accountability, Lee, which is how do you bring higher levels of accountability to your people? How do you hold your people accountable? It's it's a real it's a real challenge. Well, first of all, you know, you got to be, get better at who you hire, because if you hire better people, they'll be more accountable. Training helps people be accountable. A lot of people don't know what they're doing, and it's the boss's fault because they didn't train them properly. And second is clarity. I'm telling you this word, clarity. Be mm-hmm. clear with people what you want and tell them this is the way it works here. Now, if you can't, you know, after that Disney people watched that film back in the old day, 25% got up and left because it was so clear they didn't like it. They didn't want to work there. And one guy told me it's like the army. I said, that's right. That's why we got the best army in the world, buddy. Discipline and clarity. And you do what you're supposed to do. And uh, so I think clarity is one of the big things. And then holding people accountable. You got to deal with it. You know, if you tell everybody you got to be working on time, then you start letting it go with uh, uh, some lady who's your next door neighbor because you know her. And then you you ruin your reputation. And and. that's I just think accountability is holding people, holding people, give people responsibility, give them authority and hold them accountable. 
Randy, I'll tell you, um, it's for, for those of you who are watch, listening to this live, it's not out yet, but episode 50 of the One Thing podcast is going to be coming out within the next two weeks. Um, we go into this in detail. And for those of you who are watching this later, it's probably already out. Um, but there'll be some really good resources in there for you there. Uh, what's, what's another question we got? Thomas asks, what do you suggest for somebody who's young to ultimately make their way into an executive position with a, a big organization like Disney? Yeah, Disney or any organization, my advice, you know, everybody wants to work for Disney. I get a million requests. How can I help? How can I get in? Blah, blah, blah. They don't hire a lot of people from the outside in management positions because they got thousands waiting in line. There's 36,000 cast members at Disney that have college degrees. And they're there working in hourly positions. And they are waiting for their chance. Disney promotes about four to 500 people a year in the management. And I tell college students all the time, if you want to be one of those people, if 10 people do the job you do, you better be better than everybody else. Right attitude, right work, quality of work, attention to detail. Take any job. Get your foot inside the door. My son started, and, you know, he's the vice president of the Magic Kingdom now. He started in parking as an hourly employee. And then he worked in guest relations, and he worked in fast food. And he had a degree from Boston University. And I told him, start at the bottom, learn the business, because they can never take that away from you, and get better and better and better every day. And then you can study how to be a better manager, a better leader, a better... And then you work, you, you show people how great you are and you will be noticed because most people are whining. They got a look on their face when you tell them they got to work Saturday night and blah, blah, blah. And I just be, be better than everybody else. Keep learning, get really smart, become an expert in something. So you know more than everybody else does about it. And then they will need you. And uh, today, look at tech people. You can't find them. Everybody won't pay them whatever they want. I mean, it's unbelievable. And data analysis, big job. And think about the jobs that are coming down the road and all this automation and artificial intelligence. And it's coming and it's coming fast. And it's going to disrupt a lot of career paths. So make sure you get the right degree. <laughs> you know, what, because- what I love about what you said, Lee, is it doesn't just apply to somebody who's young and looking to pave the corporate road. It's, it applies to all of us. You know, yeah. dropping the ego, showing up fully, with a, with a learner's heart, just the commitment to mastery and being a consummate student and constantly showing up as your highest version of yourself. I mean, that applies to every single one of us. My question for the people who are here listening, are your actions mapping that? Yeah, and a little patience along the way. Don't expect mm-hmm. it overnight. Be consistent, be there. No, Lee, I'm a millennial. That doesn't work for me. I want it yesterday. No, I, I said, uh, I told people, you better learn to work with millennials. It's all we got. <laughs> so, you know. There I'm not going to work till I'm You're 90. With you, folks. There you go. Um, what's the next question we got? Uh, good question. Um, Josh asked, how would you connect and create culture with people when the majority of the people in their organization are out in the field? And, and, uh, and let, me par- let me preface by saying there was a study that said that by 2020, 40% of the workforce is going to be freelance. So I think moving forward, it's going to be less and less about people in the office. How do you build culture when we live in a virtual world? Well, I would, if I was uh, running a business and everybody was out and about, first, I'd probably have a weekly podcast that they listen to, hear my sweet voice and tell them what I expect and about the values. Second, I would, use techn- <laughs> I would use technology like this and tell them all to log in so I can see their faces and talk to them directly. I don't care where they are. Yeah, I mean, with technology, you can really touch people all over. I would make sure that I was giving a lot of appreciation, recognition, encouragement to people, whether it's just a text telling how much I appreciate you or sending them a cookie to their house. Or, I mean, there's a million things you can do, but technology gives you the chance to, if my screen had worked right here, it'd be like we're over here. And let me tell you, the new screens that are coming, it's almost like you're there. 
you get the big ones and it's you can be in the room and they can be in the room with you even though they're a thousand miles away and so i'd say just look for ways and it's many ways how you connect with people some people one-on-one some as groups some with a phone call saying hey i just was thinking about you today i want to tell you what's important make sure you listen to my podcast on tuesday morning my son daniel put one in the magic kingdom seven minutes every friday night he speaks to everybody that works for him and they love it and you know there's tech, actually it's bet it's easier today than it ever was. It's easier it's today that, than it ever was. It's that engagement and that's t- and it's that touch and, and and you know transparently this is kind of us pulling the curtain back. I realized our one thing internally as a company really is engaging with you and with technology. There are so many ways for us to do it, and we're doing a lot of things that don't scale, like sending personal video emails to people just to acknowledge them and thank them. But right. that's what's helping us scale. Yeah. And so if you can't meet them, the phone is best next and then maybe a next and third an email and in that order, you know, the voice, the emotion, the connection that you took the time to call them. That's a for somebody out there in the workforce, the boss calls and that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, we're going to ask another question. I want to finish off because, Lee, I know um, we got cut off halfway through your competency. Um, the four competencies, people, and Lee, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is technical competency, management competency, technology competency, and leadership competency. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, and, cool. Uh, and I think to know the difference between management and leadership, you know, as somebody told me, management's doing. You put things in your little book, you check them off, you get them done. That's management. Keeping things under control. Leadership's about how to be, how to be there for your people, how to be respected, how to be included, how to how to show integrity, how to be a, a person who can make hard decisions, how to be a person who can have hard discussions with people. And I think mothers are probably the best at this because they, too, they don't care if their kids are happy. They care if they're successful. So they uh, deal with them and they, they kick their little butts and then they say, I love you before they go to sleep. <laughs> and, uh, that's how you have to think about business. You, you, the power you have as a leader, people's lives are going to be better 10 years from now or worse because of you. Mm. And which way do you want it to go? That you didn't help them. You didn't get them the right interview. You didn't spend time with them. You didn't build their self-confidence. That's all you. You own it. Yeah. I love it. Next question. Ah, good one. Um, Lee, what can people do to start surrounding themselves with experts in their field, with top talent so they can attract them into their organizations? You know, it's funny on that, you know, like in my business today, I have, I've found a great website guy. I pay people on contract. I pay them by the hour, whatever they need. I have a great guy when my computer's down. I, I take care of him in many ways not only with money and socially, he's available to me 24-7 when I have, because when my computer's down, I'm very distressed. And uh, I have a great tax accountant and I have uh, a great publisher and I don't know how to do anything, but they do. And I think you got to start going around. And a lot of people are out there. There's a lot of freelancers out there that are not going to cost you a lot of money, really in technology, but there's a lot of smart people, 18, 19, 20 years old, you pay them something and they'll they can be a genius for you. And I see it from my own grandkids, how smart they are and how they make little videos and how they, they, they know this stuff better. So look, it could be your father. It could be your uncle helping you out with advice. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's just advice because we're insecure about making a big decision we've never made before and to go be able to talk to somebody. And you probably have people like that in your life. And I'll tell you one thing about America. People are, people are pretty available to help you. If you go out and say, hey, could you help me out here? Your banker, your credit union, your just 
meet people. I tell people I meet people every morning for coffee because when you know a lot of people, I can help them. And when I need something, they're there to help me. So meet people. Some kid at Disney said, you know, it's not fair to work at Disney because you have to know somebody to get ahead here. I said, yeah, that's how life works. So get to know people. <laughs> you know, that's just, it's true. You, you got to get to know people. They got to know who you are. I tell my grandkids in college, sit on the front row so the professor knows who you are because we have in our family, we, our policy in our family is everybody graduates in four years, not five, six, seven, eight, four years. So you sit on the front row, go to class, tell the professor he's doing a good job and he'll get a better grade. <laughs> so, you know, if I don't know you, I can't help you. Well, let me connect two dots because, um, Lee, you, you've talked a lot about how you interact with people and that type of legacy that you're leaving when you walk away, how they feel about you. I think this really applies to this question as well. When it comes to forming relationships with the right people, it's a value exchange. Are you the type of person who brings value to the table in your bones? And from a recruiting standpoint, are you the type of person who can demonstrate that you can bring value to them by them being inside your world? And, and if you sit and marinate stuff, on that, it'll work. The technical stuff's easy. It's getting the emotional part, the right attitude, the right behavior, the right kind of honest person that everybody knows who's faking it. You know, everybody knows already. I mean, that's one of those things that uh, I think a lot of people don't realize. They 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 get spotted right away. People mm -hmm. know if you're sincere. They know if you're available. They know if you care about them. And they always say, you know, your people will not be committed to you until you show them you're committed to them. That's how real life works and kind of simple, but it's not easy. It's hard. That's a writer downer. What's another good question we can ask? From Jason, um, what's the one thing that unifies everyone and fosters this, this culture inside of Disney? Well, I think the culture is uh, we're so clear when people join the company, they get great orientation all day about Walt, why we do this, and the kind of people are going to be coming. The older couple came here and got engaged, and the young couple, people come bring their first child here when they're three years old. We make sure everybody knows that we're here in a very special way. We have a very strong purpose, that we all have a different job. There it is. We all have a different job at Disney, but we all have only one purpose. There's a thousand jobs and one purpose, and our purpose is to make sure that every guest comes here as the most fabulous time of their life, whether you cook French fries, serve them, clean them up. If you never see a guest, what you do matters. Fix the air conditioner in January so the wedding's not ruining the summer, August when it goes down. Everybody gets the connection at Disney because we make sure they connect to how they are part of the show. There's people on stage and there's people opening the curtain backstage. And everybody, it takes everybody and everybody matters. And if they don't matter, you ought to get rid of them. I was really hoping you were going to go in that direction because, um, you know, in the book, we, we show this image of an iceberg, how, you know, you only see the tip of the iceberg, which is for most people, it's that productivity and the profit, the results that they get. Um, but what drives your productivity is ultimately your priorities. And you can't truly know your priorities unless you have a sense of your purpose. And when you weave purpose into driving your priorities, things just have so much more meaning. And I love that you went there because it is very clear that it is permeates throughout the culture. Everything. I love it. What's another one? Yeah, good question. Dave, um, how do you deal with people in leadership positions, Lee, who stifle creativity? And what yeah, do you do if you're a, a, in a leader or if you're subordinate to them? Well, stifling creativity is like, making it uncomfortable for people to give you any idea about any part of their life. Like, where's the bathroom? You know, there's a lot of people that are just, uh, I'm not uh telling. there's a lot of people that are jerks, you know, and 
probably you've hired the wrong person. And if they were there when you got there, you need to get them out. But first I'd sit down and tell them, hey, guy, I don't know where you came from, but that's not how we behave. I mean, when in doubt, tell the truth. You know, when your kids have a bad day or they're being not polite or they do something inappropriate, what do you do? You don't wait for their annual review. You pull them in there and you give them a thing. You know, you tell them, here's how we do it in our family. This is my, your last name is Cockrell. I tell my grandkids, just like me. And when you do something, I get in trouble too. So let me tell you what, this is how we do it around here. And, and we've had to get rid of a lot of people at Disney executives. We had a chef once. He was a great chef, but he couldn't get, he was a jerk. He treated everybody like the bottom of his shoe. And He's being able to cook one dinner is great, but he had to get a thousand dinners out a night. That takes a big team. That's right. And we fired him within 90 days. He was one of the best chefs in the country. How do you give feedback to somebody who stifles creativity if they don't report to you? Maybe they're lateral. They're just another member of the team or you're under them. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> I would say don't try to fix your boss unless you're really, 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 really in good shape. And I always tell people you put up with as long as you can stand it if you're under them. And then um, you keep doing a great job while you look for another job. But don't stay mm-hmm. in a place where you're not treated respectfully. Don't stay in a place where people don't uh, respect you and treat you properly and value you and value your opinion. And a lot of people get stuck. I had just did a podcast yesterday. Be careful where you get stuck in life. Wrong marriage, wrong city, wrong job, wrong boss. And you end up staying there and now you can't get out. I always tell people, make sure you love what you do before you... Buy a house, have a wife, and have children. Because once you get a mortgage, kids, and a wife, it's hard to move. <laughs> and, uh, you end up stuck. You hate your job for 40 years, and you get a, you're making enough money to live, but not to have a great life. And uh, again, I say somebody said, don't become ordinary. You got to really make sure you're in. in and it takes risks. I've had, I've, I, quit, I quit Hilton. I quit Marriott because I didn't feel loved enough and I came to Disney and I had a great career, but I'm not hanging around somebody. I had enough of that growing up in a dysfunctional family and yeah. we make sure my family is not dysfunctional. I've been married 50 years, my son 25 almost, and we're getting the family average down. So mm-hmm. we changed it here. And that's what I, I, I want to finish up. I want to finish up with a mindset thing, Lee, because I want to be respectful of people's time. Um, talk to people about doing the hard things today. So things get easier. Yeah, I mean, really, uh, in my life, it's easy to go the easy route. You know, it's easy to eat too much. It's hard to push back. It's easy to spend your money. It's hard to save it. It's easy to not discipline somebody for not doing their job because it'll be emotional. Just let it go. Hopefully, it'll get better. It's easy to not have to deal with your kids and stay up till midnight helping them with their homework. It's better just go to bed. And when you do easy things all your life, life gets harder. It gets and it bites you eventually. When you do the hard things, life just gets easier. It gets easier because when you do the hard things, a lot of little things never happen. You know, if you take care of your kids and teach them discipline and ethics and honesty, you don't have to get a lawyer for them. You don't have to visit them in jail. You don't have to bail them out. You don't have to uh, let them live in your basement for the rest of your life because you did the hard things back when that needed to be done. And a lot of people just take the easy route for one reason: it's easy. <laughs> you know. I love it. Every week, you should be working on a hard thing. Get them out of your life. I love it. Well, Lee, thank you so much, everybody. Um, If you want to learn more about Lee, you can see his name on the screen. It's Lee 
cockerell.com. You can learn about all his books. You can learn about his podcast. You can learn about his training, his planner. Um, he's got a lot of great information up there. And if you have not yet subscribed to the One Thing podcast, please do so. It's been our one value tool this year that uh, we think has made the biggest impact. Um, so again, Lee, thank you so much, my friend. And uh, to everybody else, thank you very much for your time. Yeah, thanks a Well, there you have it, folks. My conversation with Lee Cockrell, the former executive vice president of operations for Walt Disney World Resort. Folks, I mean, (laughs) this guy played at a very high level and we were honored to have the time to chat with him. I want to recap a few things that just stood out to me so strongly to the point where in the middle of this webinar, I'm whipping out my pen and my paper and I'm, I'm writing things down. And the first was that he said, you leave a job someday or you leave a legacy. You know, at the heart of this message, through many of his messages, was this this personal accountability that every single thing you do, you get to control how you show up in the world. That's on you. Are you thinking about the type of legacy that you want to leave? Are you thinking about the way you want people to talk about you when you're not in the room, whether that be, you know, today or for years to come? And are the actions that you're taking today on a daily basis lining up with that vision for that legacy that you want to leave. You can hear in Lee's voice how much he cares about his people. You know, he said, it's not like you have to become a nice person. Like we hire nice people. You have to be the type of person who cares about people. He said, every single person has a problem you don't know about. But have you invested in your people enough that they trust you to share those problems? When you look at the relationships with your children, with your family, with your friends, are you the type of person who shows up and creates a safe place that people come to you and they trust you? Or do you feel like sometimes uh, maybe you don't show up as your highest version of yourself and you don't create that trust? At the heart of this message is accountability. You control this. It's not the media. It's not your boss. It's not the situation you were put in. It's not your circumstances, it's you. You get to control that. If you go to blame, shame, and justification, if you just want to whine, it's not going to work out. I look at a guy like Lee, who you heard throughout his story, it's not like he went to the best schools. It's not like he had the best upbringing. In fact, it sounds like he had a pretty rough start in life. Yet he recognized that he was at a disadvantage and he had to show up as a consummate student and he had to show up every single day trying to be the best version of himself that he could be. And that ultimately carried him to an executive level with some major corporations and specifically within Disney, one of the most iconic brands in the world. There's a lot we can learn from this episode. My question for you is, what's the one thing you can do from this episode such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. Thank you so much for listening to this. Thank you to all of you who showed up live for our webinar. If you'd like to join us for the next one, you can go to theonething.com slash webinar to learn about what we have coming up and you can watch all of our past ones. Again, that's theonething.com slash webinar with the number one. And as always, we really appreciate you guys sharing this. Jay and I were talking about this today and we firmly believe the reason that downloads continue to grow uh, is because you are talking about the podcast. When you are sitting down with your friends, you are mentioning it. When you are at the dinner table, you are talking about it. It's not because of our brilliant marketing, because trust me, we, we ain't that brilliant. It's because of you. 
And we will continue to show up and support you because we can tell it's making an impact and we can tell that you're sharing it. So thank you for helping spread the message. We do all this for you and we look forward to being with you in the next episode. 